And we're back to a hashtag talking to myself. So that means it's either at the beginning of a season or at the end. And we're at the end of 2021. And so we'll just do a quick recap on all things technically speaking and design. Y'all ready? Cause I'm ready. Let's get it started. My name is Harrison Wheeler and this is Technically Speaking. All right, so let's go on some notable moments. For one, this is the first full year of running the podcast. Last year, we started in March. This year, we got January to December. Some big milestones. SF Design Week. Holy cow, I can't believe we even did that this year. We did that. Uh, four days of live experiences every single day had a different setup. We had people in the studio. We had somebody in the studio remote. We had, you know, one-on-one -on -one remote. We had one-to-many remote. A lot of learning, live streaming. Very grateful for that opportunity. And shout out to Studio Pod for really helping make that happen logistically. That was really dope. Had a live producer. Shout out to Dave. Big ups to, to Julian and TJ for working with me through that. And also cannot forget the SF Design Week crew. Um, it was kind of a last minute scramble. I think we organized it in less than 15 days. And so really appreciate them kind of letting me get a spot in, in the program and having the only one that ran multiple events. Big shout out goes to Jeffrey Zeldman. He is a powerhouse. Um, anything a list apart, a book apart, automatic, the list goes on. The web, he's the man. Um, really appreciate having your support over the past year and for amplifying the pod on your massive platform. Another notable moment is that we got our Instagram and our LinkedIn pages up. So if you haven't followed Technically Speaking HW on those platforms, do so now. Lots of really fun content, shareable, bookmarkable, little chunks from the episode, from some of my writing, thoughts from other folks in the industry. So shout out to the guests. If you've ever done a podcast or if you know anything about podcasts, scheduling is probably one of the most difficult things. And so these are very, very busy people for them to take, you know, an, an hour, hour and a half out of their day to come on the show and just really be vulnerable in some instances for you all appreciate it so much. Just know that I admire you. I learn from you. And many times I'm like super nervous when I'm trying to book. So it's a two way street in that regard. With that being said, let's take a look at the 2021 year in review for Technically Speaking.
This is a massive year with over 262% year over year growth. Over 6,600 downloads this year alone, getting us right above that 9K mark and we're well on pace to hitting 10,000 downloads by January. We've also added about 2,000 unique listeners. That's globally. So we've reached more than 65 countries and every episode averaged around 300 downloads. Here are the top five countries that our listeners are tuning in from. At number one, the United States, not too much of a surprise there. Number two, Canada. Three, India. Four, the United Kingdom. And rounding out the top five is Singapore. For the first time this year, Technically Speaking has also broken the top 200 for podcasts under the design category in these countries. Brazil, the highest it was ranked was number eight. In Italy, the highest it was ranked was number 14. In Switzerland, we were ranked as high as 45. In the United States, we were highest ranked 48th. And in the UK, we were ranked 71st. Now, for the people's choice, these are the three most downloaded episodes in 2021. With each mention, I'll also play a little clip so you can relive the conversation. Coming in third, UX Research Corner and Clubhouse. The UX Research Corner has more than 30,000 followers on the Clubhouse platform. The group consists of Aladrian Goods, Anj Chang, Anna Kuforji, Nanuro Brown, and Priyanka Mohan. And I just was like very pleasantly surprised that in Clubhouse, even in the rooms that we host, we have a lot of people and a lot of people who go on stage with very, very different backgrounds and their representation has been really outstanding. Even here, the faces that you see on screen right now, that was just a pleasant surprise to me. And like, it sort of like checked some of my assumptions before that, yeah, these are all the female researchers that I'm looking for. These are all the women of color researchers that I've been looking for. And it's just a happy coincidence that I've found them. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah. It's funny because it took a while for the men to like come up on the start stage. talking. Yes. <laughs> it's the oddest thing. Yeah. Very strange. Wait, like how long? Are we talking months? Like weeks. Oh. I know. I think months. Oh, wow. <laughs> Probably two weeks. weeks. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it, months, but like it was, it was it a while. It was time. the oddest thing. Yeah, yeah. Coming in second, design operations, system, and service design with Dominique Ward, head of design operations at Atlassian. I think I stole this right, and then kind of like remixed it a little bit from Dave Maloof, who is a design ops leader. But he slash I said, let designers focus on design work and let design managers focus on managing those designers and pushing the work forward and let design operations handle everything else. And so that everything else bucket is pretty big and could be whatever's necessary, but it's a lot of times about making space for the work to happen and for teams to work effectively and efficiently and quite frankly, as resiliently as possible. And I think in the last year and a half, that has become even more clear of the need. And coming in first, drum roll please. Leadership, individuality, and balance with Asa Gar, Director of User Experience at Google. I would say one practice that has helped me a lot as a designer 
And as a lead now, and it's something that I believe everyone should do is practice divergent thinking. So maybe, you know, if you're not familiar with it, maybe look that up. But the most simple way of saying that is it's accepting and recognizing that there are more than there is more than one way to solve a problem i feel like it, it just mm. internalizing that message helps you be more inclusive it helps you be more creative it helps you create more space it helps you not argue with people because you realize it's not right and wrong there are many many right answers to most mm. questions and it is a practice it is just like any other practice it's not a it's not something that you can just decide that you're going to be a divergent thinker now. You kind of have to practice it every day. Like if I have a jar, what are 10 different ways in which I could use a jar? And just think about the 10 different ways and that's it. You're done. And do right. something else the next day. Just take one household object. Even if you just do that, you're set for like a couple of years, right? So divergent thinking, such a great practice for being more creative and just being a more inclusive person overall. All right. So... I also want to talk about a few things that I'm really excited about. Um, and just in terms of this, it's two types of looks back. So for number one, it's going to be favorite things about the internet. <laughs> number two is going to be some of my favorite tools. We know how much the design industry likes to talk about tools, so we'll do it. I have this little saying that tools don't make the designer. Don't be the tool. Think about it. <laughs> Number three is like what I'm looking forward to. And that's kind of a mix of where some of these conversations are going. I will say this time and time again, I think Twitter has just been such a powerful tool. I think like kind of transitioning a little bit off of the clubhouse, Twitter's felt like a natural space to start engaging with folks, learning about new things in Twitter spaces. I will say in terms of getting in touch with my guests, getting freelancers, being able to send a message out there and having a number of folks from around the world with deep experience in their field, there is no quicker place to do it than Twitter. But you see so many people time and time again that have also gotten new job opportunities through, through Twitter as well. It's amazing how that platform still is evolving. And on top of that, how at least the, the conversations around design are really starting to grow and you're able to kind of see who is who in terms of the folks behind the messages. So I think the accessibility front, Twitter definitely is, is wins out for me. Another notable thing on the internets is ADP list. So shout out to Felix Lee. He was in the first season. Um, and I think the platform has probably made two or three iterations since then. For folks that aren't familiar, ADP list is a website where people can connect with mentors around the world. And the way that he sort of frames it, it's as democratizing mentorship. I first got involved about two years ago, and I've really kind of made the point to connect with designers at least twice a week. I learn so much from these conversations. It's a valuable experience for me. It's also really gratifying when the folks that you have worked with finally get those new roles. They're rolling out with a ton of new features. They've moved into a new platform. Now you've got messaging, you've got video, you've got group sessions. I've done a few group sessions. So it's great to see the maturation of the platform there. Conversations that we're having are starting to evolve. Early last year when it was started, folks were out of jobs, folks were graduating, folks are transitioning through self-taught, through boot camp, and there was just a lot of uncertainty in the industry. Now the conversations are, 
starting to evolve um, into dynamics between product design, engineering, leadership, uh, what to expect, making something out of a program that may not necessarily be centered around user experience design. You're starting to see an expanse of discussions around the industry. I think being able to talk to somebody is really important because now you're able to formalize a lot of a lot of what otherwise you may not have had the opportunity to discuss. My favorite tools for the year. So number one is gonna be FigJam. FigJam is currently in beta, but it's a part of Figma and it is an online whiteboard for teams to ideate and brainstorm together. And why FigJam? Working in a digital space, trying to brainstorm and do generative exercises have been like always a pain. So what do I mean by that? There is something nice about being able to post something to a wall and be able to walk through it and post stickies. And folks from my base days remember when I went out to Home Depot and built a review board. Uh, and then the problem was that we were based in Mountain View, but then some designers were moving to San Francisco. And realistically, we were just never gonna be in the same room. No one's gonna hop on the train 45 minutes south just to go to a design critique. But like in the digital space, there just really hasn't been anything close to that. And now that we're moving into this era of hybrid, we're gonna have to adopt to that, right? Like we talked about like having these big immersive TVs and holograms. But that's really just probably going to manifest itself as a tool like FigJam. Having something integrated with like your primary work tool has just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of been a godsend for, for me and, and my team. We do a lot of our daily standups in that, or weekly standups, I'm sorry. Um, we do our design critiques and reviews in that. And we're also doing our retrospectives in that. So it's really kind of become an all-in-one tool. A lot of the plugins that they have have been real great. It's added a little bit of tactility when you start to add some of the emojis and GIF reactions. So lots there. I think for the second tool that I'm extremely excited about is Webflow. So Webflow is an online website builder where there's no code that's necessary. Um, and so some folks might put it in the same class as a Wix, as a Squarespace, but I, I really do think it's a bit more powerful than that because it leverages a lot of the concepts around web, HTML, CSS, animations, databases. When you start to handle things in a content management system and think about integrations. Why I put it so highly is that as someone creating this platform, if I have an idea, I can build it. Like it doesn't have to be perfect and I don't have to really think about hiring an engineer to create super intricate backend functions. I don't know if you all had an opportunity to look at Webflow's keynote this year, but they unveiled two new updates. And the first one I'm extremely excited about is members. If you've ever worked with Webflow, you got to use a lot of third-party tools for that. So they're bringing that natively to the platform. And then the second piece is around logic. So if you have members, 
Uh, you can now give them logic based on a set of conditions and then, and then additionally, potentially subscription options. So um, really excited about that. It's not released yet, but I'm just excited at the opportunity to potentially not have to use a ton of third-party integrations on that. I encourage you to check it out. I also encourage you to check out uh, my episode with David Hoang, which was in the last season. So shout out to David, as he is now the head of design at Webflow. So peep that, super, super smart guy. We talk a little bit about the no code and some of the, some of the motivation behind it. All right, so let's do rapid fire. 2022, what I'm looking forward to and some themes that we'll probably talk about in the next season. Hybrid work. Um, the tools are getting there. The offices are not. And so how do we bridge that gap? Um, been kind of testing some new material around this, this new concept of a design MC. It's really focused on facilitation and maintaining our design rituals in an ever evolving product uh, development lifecycle. Always curious to know how you all are maintaining your design rituals. Have you actually codified it? How do they evolve? What are the things that are part of design rituals? For me, I really kind of define that as the standups, as the review sessions, having conversations around execution and quality and craftsmanship. Another thing moving into 2020, um, inclusive environments, building safe spaces. What does a safe space mean? Um, Chris Toms, shout out to Chris. He's a designer based in Portland. We were actually having a conversation around environments, working environments. And when we start talking about safe environments, like what does that mean for us, right? How can we have this human first approach? Because ultimately that's what we all are. That's where we can all relate. And so what does that mean when we start to shift that conversation in building a safe space, thinking about trust, thinking about a world where we actually care about the well-being of you know, our colleague, that friend, that family, really kind of getting back to the basics. I think some of that really kind of gets lost in a lot of the conversations that we've been hearing over time. So um, really excited to riff on that a little bit more and, and see where that discussion goes and, and where other folks are are starting to, to, to kind of pan out. I think one of the things that even just kind of looking back over the past season, a lot of folks are starting to unpack a lot of the trauma that they have had in you know their educational upbringing in the workforce and i think we gotta say why are we okay with that um why are there literally articles that talk about how to protect yourself from you know a horrible boss right and in in really toxic environments how can we break away from normalizing this behavior with the theme of the workplace here we are we're going to be about two years after what many consider the great awakening as a result from George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests. As the conversation started really kind of shifting around representation, right? We had a presentation on where the black designers, Maurice was on the show. We've also had Mitzi on the show as well, who's also been leading that movement. 
around black designers only being at 3%. So what is the progress report on that? What are folks experiencing? Have we seen a change in the industry? What has a full remote world kind of done in terms of opportunities? So excited to really engage in that and just kind of see where things are there. And the last theme is trust. Trust is a big word. It's also a really important part of our lives because once you lose trust, it's hard to gain it back again. And trust encompasses many different things. It's building experiences that really think about the unintended consequences, right? How can we put your best interest at the forefront? Additionally, privacy. These are all really massive concepts that are now starting to get buy-in from governments. People are way more vocal about. It'll be good to see where things are progressing and what companies are doing. That's it. Wishing everyone a happy holidays and thank you again for supporting Technically Speaking in 2021. See you next year. Ratings and reviews help this podcast tremendously. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll return the favor by giving you a shout out on the show and on Instagram. Don't forget to submit yours today.